How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 14 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and today we are finally going to be talking about the Pakoda projections. Uh, not super in-depth, we're going to be talking about the standings, mostly, which I alluded to a couple episodes ago, said they were crap, so I want to go into why they're crap. Um, and then in the second part of the episode, we're going to do a little something for me. Um, so t- stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to get right into this. Uh, no, I'm not. I lied. Before we get into the meat of this, uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's Locked On A's. I said that. So do that. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Locked On A's. I am on Twitter at ByJasonB. You can follow us both there. Uh, we still want to do a mailbag next week. So email me your questions or tweet them. Either way. Uh, the email address is LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So uh, send all your questions my way. I will be answering those as soon as we get them. So, uh, yeah, we'll plan that out for someday next week, and we'll have some fun. Um, okay, so these Pakota projections, they're crap. I keep saying that. They're crap. I don't like them. Uh, they have the Astros with 98.3 wins. They're all aggregate. So they're like uh, projections and whatnot. So there's going to be decimal points in here. Uh, 98.3 wins for the AL West winning Astros. Uh, 86.8 wins for the Angels, and 84.6 wins for the A's. And then the Rangers have 73, and the Mariners have 66. Um, So they're not necessarily close. Um, So they're crap, right? Those are crap. I don't like them. Got the the A's finishing with, what, uh, 13 less wins than last year? This 2020 team is just loaded with talent, and they're going to take that big of a dive? That doesn't necessarily make sense. So I went over to Fangraphs and I was like, hey, what do you guys think about projections and whatnot? So I went on their steamer projections for both offensive defense for top 10 uh, offensive guys for both teams and then top 7 pitchers. Uh, for the Angels, they got a couple of bullpen arms. A's have one, so that means their strength is the rotation, obviously. Uh, so I'm just going to run through those numbers. There's going to be a lot of numbers, and I apologize, but this is how it makes sense. Um, so obviously you got Mike Trout, he's the best player in baseball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's going to have over eight wins with a 173 WRC plus. And so the way that WRC plus works is, uh, 100 is average. So for every point above or below that, you are 1% better or worse than average. Uh, so he would be 73% above league average. So that's pretty good. That's a really good WRC+. plus. That's why he's a perennial MVP candidate and the best player in baseball. Um, then you got Anthony Rendon, who is their new addition to play the hot corner. Uh, he has a projected war of 5.6 with a 133 WRC+. plus. So that's 33% above league average. Uh, their third player, according to war, is Angelton Simmons, the shortstop. He has a 3.4 war and a 95 WRC+. plus. So you can tell most of that war total is coming from his defense and not his slightly below average bat. Uh, and then they have Shohei Otani with a 2.6 war and 130 WRC+. Plus in, but they're also projecting him to have 555 plate appearances. And I think that's the crux of where we get these two wins back. Because... Shohei Otani, it last year when he you know was recovering from Tommy John, so he wasn't pitching at all, so he was exclusively a designated hitter. He had 425 plate appearances, and that was 
you know, as a full-time batter. And they're going to have to work him in some sort of a pitching schedule. He's not going to start pitching until May, uh, I read. So I don't know where he's getting all of these at-bats, but, you know, sure. he's. A, I mean, he's a really good hitter when he's there, but I know that they have to, you know, before, in his first season, they were having him not pitch the day before, the day after, or sorry, not hit the day before, the day after he pitched. So that limits a bunch of plate appearances right there. I don't know how they're going to get him up to 555, but, I mean, maybe we'll see him, you know, actually hit a little bit more often, or he'll hit on days that he pitches. Who's to say? They, they might be creative. Joe Madden's a creative guy. He's their new manager, by the way. But if Otani only gets 425 plate appearances, he'd get he'd be roughly a two-win player on offense. And that accounts for about a half a win. So the A's are half a win closer if, you know, they don't figure out how to get them into the lineup more often. So that's one way for the A's to recoup some wins real quickly in these projections is just Otani isn't going to play as much because he's pitching as well. Um, so real quick, I'll run down the rest of these guys. You got uh, Jason Castro, catcher, at uh, 1.9 war and 88 WRC+. plus. They got David Fletcher, 1.8 and 94 uh, Justin Upton, who's returning from injury, so he's he's getting a little bit older, but he's got probably a little bit better than these projections, but I'll read them anyway. Uh, 1.6 war and a 107 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Tommy LaStella at 1.5 and 106. Uh, Max Stassi, former Astro, at 1.3 and 72. And then uh, there was Luis Renjifo was uh, above this guy, but... Renjifo could be whatever. Uh, I put Joe Adele in there. They had him projected for like 250 or so plate appearances. But uh, he could be a big X factor on their team. If he hits the ground running, they could have a really solid uh, offensive team. But if as you look down them, you got five guys that are projected to, uh, to have a, an above average offensive season. That's 100 or better in the WRC Plus realm. Uh, Two of those guys, Upton and Lastella, are, you know, 7 and 6% above uh, league average. So, you know, decent. Not great, but decent. Um, and then you got three guys that are projected to be 30% better than league average. So, I mean, they're they're a top-heavy lineup, but that's only a third of the lineup. Uh, sure, you'll hit them, you know, 2-3-4 or something like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully they carry the, the Angels from an Angels standpoint, obviously. Um but they're not a feared lineup as a whole. You know, like the Yankees have a feared lineup. The A's, who I'm going to read here in one sec, have a feared lineup because they have a bunch of guys that are projected to be at least league average. And that's how the Astros, I mean, along with banging on trash cans, have had success is by having a bunch of league average bats. And if you can fill out a lineup of league average bats, you're going to be a really good offensive team. So... Here, here are the A stats on the flip side of that. Here we go. We got Matt Chapman at a 126 WRC plus with a 5.5 WAR, uh, Semyon with 117 and 4.2, Matt Olson with 125 and 3.5, Ramon Laureano at 109 and 3.2, uh, Mark Canna at 115 and 2.4, uh, Sean Murphy at 100 even, so he is league average in his first major league season and a 1.8 war. Uh, Chris Davis is projected to bounce back a little bit with a 115 WRC plus and 1.4 wins above replacement. 
Uh, you got Stephen Piscotti at 112-1.2. And then uh, whoever's playing second base, it's one of these guys. You got uh, Franklin Barreto at 88 and worth 0.7 wins. And Tony Kemp at 92 with for WRC Plus and 0.5 wins. So as you can tell, other than second base, the A's are stacked with guys that are at least league average, projected league average. Um, and I'd rather have that lineup, honestly. I mean, sure, you got Mike Trout, who's solid, but he's one guy. And how many times have they made the playoffs with Mike Trout in the lineup? Not that many. Sure, Anthony Rondon's going to be a difference maker, but you got eight guys right here. They can all hit the ball out of the ballpark. They can play defense. It's a solid group. I don't know why they would... I mean, according to projections in war, blah, 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 uh, the A's have a 24.4 projected war, and the Angels are at 28.6. So they're still projected to be a better offensive club, almost solely because of Mike Trout. But one through eight or nine, depending on if you want to include second base in there, the A's should be the more feared lineup as a whole. Um, so then we go over to the pitchers, and it's kind of close, I would say. Uh, you got Andrew Heaney with a four... Uh, these are all projected again, and I got ERA and WAR. So Andrew Heaney has a 4.02 ERA with a 2.8 WAR. Dylan Bundy, new acquisition, 4.48 WAR and 2 point... Or sorry, uh, 2.2 WAR, 4.48 ERA. Shohei Otani, 375 ERA and two wins above replacement. Griffin Canning, 4.38, 1. 1.7. Uh, it doesn't matter. We got Ty Buttrey and Patrick Sandoval, two relievers who are projected to be uh, two of the Angels' top five and six uh, pitchers on the whole roster. That doesn't bode well if you're going to be relying on relievers that much. And then you got Julio Tehran. Uh, he's got a 5.31 projected ERA, and he's going to be worth half a win. So they don't have a lot of starting pitching. They've got some guys that could end up being decent. You know, Andrew Heaney's been solid over the years. Griffin Canning's a guy with some potential, but will he turn around? We don't know. Um, whereas the A's, they've got uh, Frankie Montas with a 4.6, uh, 4.16 ERA, sorry. Uh, and 2.9 wins above replacement. And then right behind him are the two guys that most fans are most excited about. Uh, you got Luzardo and Puck with 2.6 uh, war and 2.2 war, right around four ERAs for both those guys. Uh, Sean Manaya is looking at it like a four and a half ERA, but that seems not optimistic. He could still be, you know, three, five to four somewhere in there and be super effective. Uh, and he's projected for 1.7 wins above replacement. Uh, Chris Bassett, 4.32, 1 1.3. Uh, Liam Hendricks is projected for a 3.17 ERA, so not quite the year that he had last year, but who's expecting that? Uh, and then you got Mike Fires with an over 5 ERA. So, cool. Um, one note that I did have on this was that the two Angels relievers basically according to Projected War, equal Liam Hendricks. And that's with Liam, uh, Liam Hendricks falling back to the pack a little bit. So that's a lot of optimism right there. And that's not factoring in Lou Trevino could have a bounce back season. Uh, some other guys that I will talk about as breakout stars or breakout potential guys. Um, 
not breaking out at all. Um, so there's a lot of room to play with here, and the A's have more depth, uh, you know, just with arms than the Angels do. The Angels need those guys to be solid in order to be successful, and the A's have, you know, Dalton Jeffries, Grant Holmes, James Caprillion. Uh, they've got plenty of guys that are on the cusp and can help out the Major League roster. Daniel Mengden, if he, you know, is still with the team after he comes back from injury and all that stuff, they've got plenty of guys that can help. So we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, as we can see, the projections have the A's and Angels a lot closer than I think we all thought they would be. Uh, I mean, I think that the Angels' projection for wins is a little optimistic, whereas the A's is more pessimistic. And the projection systems usually get the A's completely wrong anyway. Um, so there's a good chance that the A's actually outperform their Pocota projections yet again, because they've proven that they can win close to 100 games two years in a row now. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how that all goes. Uh, I'm going to do a quick little ad read, and then we're going to get to the part of the podcast that uh, is all for me. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On A's is a great way for your local business to reach uh, passionate A's fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with A's fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, so now we're back to my part of the podcast. Um, for the, those of you that follow me on Twitter, um, I haven't really talked about it through the Locked On account, but from my personal one uh, by Jason B. Uh, my father-in-law passed away uh, about a week and a half ago now, and we laid him to rest yesterday. And I've been looking for something to do to tie it to the A's and him and do something in that realm. And uh, I, I did. He wasn't like a huge baseball fan. He kind of liked the Giants a little bit. He liked Tim Lincecum a lot. Um, so I didn't really want to talk about that. But uh, he was just a fantastic guy, and I wanted to honor him in some sort of a way. And as we were walking around the cemetery yesterday, um, just a few maybe like 20 feet above where his uh, place of rest is, was a, a picture on a gravestone, and the name was Glenn Burke, and they had an A's head on, and it looked like a player photo. So I started Googling who Glenn Burke was, and sure enough, uh, Glenn Burke played for the A's for a minute. And uh, so I'm going to talk about Glenn Burke for a little bit. It's not a happy story, but uh, I just wanted to tie it back a little bit. So that's what I'm going to do. And then the outro music will be a little bit different today. It is uh, a song called Melodious Thunk by Gerald Albright. Uh, my father-in-law helped write the song. So uh, it's just a little outro piece for, you know, his memory. So I'm going to get to that here in just one sec. 
So because this is a baseball podcast, I feel like I should go over Glenn Burke's stats for a sec, even though most of what I have written down is not stat-related at all, or necessarily the big parts of his career. It's more of his life. Um, so over the course of his career, he played four seasons in total with the Dodgers and the A's. Uh, he was worth a negative 2.4 war, so not great. Uh, he also had a 561 OPS, and he hit 237. So not a great major leaguer, but there was comparisons to Willie Mays uh, when he was coming up, and obviously he never lived up to those expectations. Um, there might be reasons for that, but you can make your own conclusions once I'm done here. Um, so Glenn Burke was born in Oakland in 1952, and he was drafted by the Dodgers in the 17th round in 1972. Uh, he was the first player in pro sports to come out as gay. Um, and according to Wikipedia, which super credible source, obviously, but there have been 30 for thirties on this and all that. So it seems to be true. Uh, Glenn Burke and Dusty Baker, who were teammates with the Dodgers invented the high five in 1977, after Dusty Baker hit his 30th home run of the season. Uh, basically, Dusty Baker was rounding third base, and Glenn Burke was super excited, and he put his hand above his head, and Dusty Baker slapped it. So, high five was born. Uh, Glenn Burke claims that his teammates knew that he was gay by about 1978, and that he was pretty sure they didn't care. Uh, this is all after the fact, you know, after he had retired and stuff, he was talking about that, so... I don't know when exactly he... I think he came out in the 80s, but he was like, yeah, everybody knew, so whatever, it's fine. Um, so it's his word against no other sources. So I'll go with it. Um, he was traded from the Dodgers to the Oakland A's in 1978 for Billy North, uh, but he would only play 101 games for the A's before retiring. Uh, it's easy to believe that he couldn't find a job... Uh, I mean, partially because of his career numbers, which weren't sterling, but uh, he had a he had a good pedigree. You know, he was still young. He was 27. Um, but, you know, it was probably more so because of his sexuality. People didn't want to touch him, um, which is truly sad. Um, and after he retired, he turned to drugs. And in 1987, he was hit by a car in San Francisco, crushing his leg and foot, and furthering his dependence on drugs. So, it was mostly cocaine, I believe, at the time. Um, not that you needed to know that, but, you know, just to paint a terrible, terrible picture. Um, and then Glenn Burke died of AIDS in May of 1995. Um, after he came out with having AIDS, the A's helped pay for, you know, his medical bills and stuff like that, so that's kind of cool of them. And in 2015, on Pride Night, uh, his brother... Uh, I believe his name was Sydney. Uh, threw out the first pitch, which is also kind of cool that they're still kind of honoring his memory. Um, it's not a happy story, and or anything. So I'm sorry to you know depress you a little bit, but uh, I thought that it was an important story. And in the time that I knew my father-in-law, which is the, like the last seven years, um, he was kind of like a spiritual advisor, and for some reason just them being laid to rest so closely to each other almost feels like destiny. And if you believe in the afterlife, I think that that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, that's that. So uh, here is Melodious Thunk. I hope you enjoy. I'll put the Spotify link in the show notes if you want to listen to the whole song. So uh, 
that's it for that. Um, go out there and enjoy good times, Oakland, and I will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>